I asked Kim to come back up here with some support to share a little bit because the song had special meaning for her and she chose to been planning this for a while and so share with us just a bit of why this was so meaningful. So in 2007, my life changed in that my ex-wife left and my two sons went to the military. Great progress. Um, but I lost my identity and I didn't know who I was anymore. And I delved into depression, which I live with now. And I've made incredible friends here who have helped me through. And I've met the most amazing woman who is so strong. And so I thought all was wonderful. And having never shared that with my children, to hear my son tell me that he suffers with depression and in having to drive him to the VA hospital on suicide watch is a pain I can't describe. And mm -hmm. so I hope that anybody who is here dealing with depression or if somebody in your family you suspect is dealing with depression, Please reach out to them or reach out to somebody. This was my prayer. The first time I heard this song, it was a prayer for help. It reminded me of the last time I tried to commit suicide. <laughs> and I wanted to turn my back on God and I just pray that you don't do that. Amen. Thank you, Kim. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. Challenges with mental health is often something invisible that we suffer with. We don't get the chance really to let other people know about it, sometimes till it's too late, or we don't feel like they'll understand. Uh, sometimes we feel like we're crazy ourselves and there's nothing that can be done to help us. And so say something, you know, please say something so that we will know that you're struggling in these ways that we will be able to reach out to you. Let us know because if not, you will then see just that one doorway. You'll see just that one path that we know many people have chosen to end their lives because they saw no other choices. The depression just narrows it down, narrows it down, narrows it down till there only seems to be one door to walk through and that door is to end their life. We know many young people who've done this because their life they can't see in a new way. Either people have told them they're not worth living or if you do that, you can't be a part of the family, or some of those things, and that feels like such judgment. They feel like people are telling them they shouldn't exist, and then they go right ahead and make that true and cease existing. So in our community and in our world, we know this is a challenge that doesn't get spoken sometimes in time in a way that we can hear it. And what I want to say to you today is that sometimes there's a little bit of a truth in this yearning or this sense that life must end. Sometimes there's something within our being that tells us that it is time to be different. 
And sometimes that gets confused, and what we hear it saying is, you just need to end altogether. But sometimes what's true is you might have to end living in a closet, and that could feel like death to you. But don't confuse it. It's just asking you to live beyond the closet. You might be being asked to live without alcoholism, and it may feel like death to you, like there is no hope to go anywhere, but that's not the only choice. Maybe you need to die to alcohol, but that shouldn't be confused with you. So as you know people who struggle in a variety of ways with mental health, but also in just general acceptance of who they are, their worth, their value, there may be some truth. Oh my God, I'm going to die in that sentence. Because all they've known themselves to be, a mother, a lover, a companion, is gone. And they don't know what is next yet. And it does feel like death, but we don't want people to get confused because there's more than one door that they can go through. And I'm not saying this as a Pollyanna kind of statement. I know sometimes medication is required. Brain chemistry needs to be helped. More than friends sometimes are needed in order to bring about wellness and to bring about coping until wellness can be achieved. You know? But so when we hear today the song, Say Something, be present, say something, say something about your own condition, say something to another, ask, be present for one another. And in Proverbs today, we hear about Lady Wisdom, and up to the point we get to her, Proverbs is one of those books that's kind of either or. You're either moving towards life or you're moving towards death. It's just one of those books in the Bible that says right, wrong, right, wrong, right, wrong, either or all the way through. And so there's two doors, the way that leads to life and a way that leads to death, from some of the early understanding of what Proverbs was about. Then they get to chapter 8. They get to chapter 8, and it shifts. It shifts into this feminine, divine image, this creation that's called Lady Wisdom. And in this creation, you hear her speak out. You hear her shout out from the gutters, from the clubs and the bars, from our homes, from our bedrooms. You hear her shout out, I'm here, come, I am saying something. I'm calling out to you wonderful words of life. Just here. Just here. Because here I am ready for you. God's love in this divine feminine form. And it's been within our scripture all this time, and sometimes we just ignore it. Or if we bring up wisdom as the divine feminine, it's the only image of the divine feminine we bring up. And we exclude all the others. But at this point in chapter 8, the incarnate feminine divine shouts out, I was there with you from the very beginning when all creation happened. I was there. I was a master creator. I was a part of the whole thing. And you delighted in me. And I delighted in you. And it was joy. Have you ever thought about creation that way? A bunch of swirling, joyful, dancing, engaging, excitement and energy and just this wonderful abundance, you know? So, so wisdom is talking about creation in a way that says, I've been 
there from the beginning. And I want you to know this abundance. You have more than two choices. You have thousands of choices. I'm here calling to you from wherever you are. And together we can do this journey. You can lay your head on my lap. Rest your head on my shoulder. I am delighting in you, and I will work to bring you joy. Because that's what it says. I rejoiced at creation. I delighted in the world as it was made, and I rejoiced in humanity. I rejoiced in you, is what wisdom is crying out from us, from the streets, from the gutters, from the bars, from the courthouses, from our own bedrooms. Wisdom is saying, it's about joy, and it's about delight. Come to me, and we'll walk the distance to get there. Can you do it? Come with me, and we'll walk the distance. Can you leave behind some of those things that are hanging you down? Can you let them die? And can you choose my love? Can you choose going forward with me? Because I've set the table the table's ready. I've put bread on it and wine on it, and it is set. I've sent out servants to go gather everyone up who will listen. You've been invited to go on this abundant road and journey with me. You've been invited. I already delight in you. Come on and take a seat at the table. Come on right now. So she's crying out, will we leave behind that which might need to die in order to say yes. Will you? Will you listen to this voice from the Hebrew Scriptures, this voice that is then taken and moved into the Christian Testament? Because you've heard it before, but you may not have recognized the words in the way we're reading them today in the book of Proverbs, but you've heard it before. The last gospel writer, the gospel writer of the book of John, meditated on Lady Wisdom meditated on who they knew Jesus to be and who Jesus was and how Jesus taught them and how they knew God and Christ. And as, the, as they meditated on it, then it became one. And as it got transitioned into the New Testament, it's called Logos in chapter 1 of the book of John. And if I want to see the scripture reading up there of this particular passage, there we know the words of wisdom, which is either Hebrew chakra, and you may have heard it in... Greek as Sophia. Heard Sophia? That is the Greek word for wisdom. And then that image is taken into the gospel and it goes this way. It's read as, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of the people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know about him. You know this passage. Sometimes we bring it about Christmas time. You know? Well, so the people of John were people who loved wisdom. And for them, light symbolized wisdom, and darkness symbolized lack of wisdom. We can talk about that another day, but there's challenges with that. But here we are looking at what they've done with Sophia, what they've done with Lady Wisdom. How many he's and hymns did you hear in that package, that passage? How many? Quite a few, didn't you? 
a lot of he's and him's. Who are they talking about in that passage? They've been meditating on Sophia, wisdom for a long time. And then it gets brought through the strainer of Greek culture into the concept of logos, which is a male figure. And so all of a sudden, instead of all of this, she was there at creation. She was there when the land was built. She was there when the edges were put in, get changed to about, what, 20 he's and him's? Boy, what happens when we shift our scripture in that way? What does it mean for you today if you understand that the first chapter of the Gospel of John was a meditation on Proverbs 8 and 9 and their understanding of who Jesus was? Are the people of John actually trying to say in the way they can that Jesus embodied wisdom for them? Jesus was some sort of mixture of all of the feminine and masculine of God and somehow the truth and light in a way they had not ever considered it before. But they say it in this symbolic way. They say it in this way of Proverbs chapter 8. And I want to tell you, it's just like last week when we were talking about Shaddai and how Yahweh is a gender-neutral term. But when they, because they didn't want to say Yahweh, chose Adonai, and we translate it as Lord, that's a male term. And last week we wanted to encourage you to think every time you hear Almighty God they might be talking about El Shaddai, the breasted one. And whenever you hear the sense of God, the cloud of God, the glory of God around you, they might be talking about Shekinah, the feminine incarnate God, the feminine God that surrounds you in love and compassion. But in our English language, it turns into he, and it turns into him. And that's a disservice to the overall understanding of the largeness and bigness of God because we've narrowed God down again into something smaller than what God is. Now, why is this important? Last week I shared some bit of that, but I'm going to share the story of this um, preacher, a woman named Dominique Atchison. And Dominique says she has to, uh, I'll use her words, as a black woman in the early stages of her ministry, I have not I've not experienced a lot of direct resistance in the black churches where I serve and preach. What I have experienced is a sort of mental block that seems to stop brains from being able to process that I am indeed clergy. Have you ever talked to anyone that seemed to have a mental block, that just couldn't process the news you were trying to tell them? You know, they received her in the pulpit, but they just couldn't get, no matter how many times my bio is read, there is something that stops people from fully knowing that I am ordained clergy. I don't know how many times I've had to answer the same questions and comments. Wait, you're a pastor? You're a reverend like the pastor is a reverend? I thought you were just some woman who hung around with the pastor. And then she goes on to say she just has to bite her tongue when it says, I am referred to as deaconess and young lady, and sometimes sweetie, honey, and boo-boo. Occasionally, they'll get my name right, Dominique. I wonder what it would have been like for Dominique in her churches if the images of Shaddai and Shekinah and Sophia were lifted up, if the pronouns hadn't all been changed to he and him and Lord and Adonai and had been lifted up in all of their glorious, mighty breastedness. 
I wonder what that church would do to receive her now. I wonder if she would have the same challenges as she's experiencing today. You see, we had this wholeness that God calls us into, masculine and divine, all mas and divine, yes, and feminine and divine, but this wholeness between all of us that God calls us into. And the Hebrew people got it. They understood it in the term nephesh, what it meant to be body, soul, spirit, and what this wholeness meant. But then when we start translating it and get to the point of English, we have excised the feminine out of it. And we have put it into something smaller. Boy, I'm still recovering, are you? I'm still recovering. I don't know if you had the same journey of recovery as I have. When Reverend Vicki said in her first sermon, she went through all of the places in Scripture about um, the Shekinah, the glory of God. And each time she said she. And she went she, 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 she. And that paragraph, she probably said she about 20 times. Did you notice? Because we're not used to hearing it that way. But she said it about 20 times, the word she. And I thought, oh, okay, I need about 20, 30 years of that to catch up with as many times as I've heard he in the same way. We are really challenged with our language to get a broader image of God who calls us into wholeness, not to divide ourselves into pieces and components, but to be whole and one, called to the table as we are, loved. When I was a young pastor, when I really thought I knew anything, and as I get older, I've decided I don't know nothing. But one of those periods in my life when I was a young pastor, so I was pretty much more declarative about everything being the right and the truth. And so uh, we had a women's group forming at the church that I was a part of, and I wanted to support them in their journey of having a support group together and their time together without men being involved, involved in this group. And so I, I wrote a liturgy for them, and in the liturgy it's, it didn't call upon all the patriarchs of the faith, Abraham, Isaac, you know that liturgy, God of Abraham, God of Egypt, God of Israel, Jacob, as it goes on. And what I did was I inserted all of the female counterparts in that. So I said, God of Sarah and Hagar, God of Rebecca and Rachel, God of Lydia, God of uh, all of the women figures in the scripture so that they would have those images by biblical scriptural to hold on to as they did their group meeting together. And they would be able to claim the feminine divine in their group. And then I went out to some local potters that were women because I wanted them to have their own chalice and patent the plate so that they could have communion together. And so I found those, and I got the bios of the artists so they'd know who the artist was so they could find those and do, do those, uh, enjoy that in their group meeting together. And so they met for some months, and probably about after six months, they said, well, we would like to take our liturgy and do it for the whole church. And I said, that's a great idea. So we invited them to come and do that communion service for the whole church. So they got in front that Sunday morning, and we made sure that it was an all-women cast at the front of the church. And even back in the choir loft, all women. So I was sitting on the front pew here, along with the rest of the women and the men of the congregation, as they did what they did every Thursday night in their support group. And as they got up there with our associate pastor at the time, Reverend Alicia Laws, who indeed was a mighty-breasted one. 
Alicia was up there behind the altar, and I think that made the difference for me because when Alicia was reading this litany, she was reading this litany and she was going through the very thing I had written. Hagar, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Lydia, Deborah, Jael, Prissa, Akila, all of those. She went through all of those names. I was sitting on the front pew, and there's a point in the service where I just sank and got a little brokenhearted. Because what washed over me in that moment was I wasn't included. I bought the chalice, I bought the patent, I wrote the liturgy, I prayed for the group. But when I participated as a man on the front row and heard the very liturgy that I wrote, I wasn't included. Now they would have said I was. She means everyone. You know? What does it mean for each of us to have that kind of experience of knowing where our language pulls people out and pulls people back in together? But there I was, not included, or feeling not included by the very own words I had written. So when we take scripture, that has wonderful feminine images of Shaddai and translate them to he and him and God Almighty, or has wonderful language about Shekinah and changes it to he and him. When Yahweh, the neutral word, gets changed into Lord, we are missing what the scripture expansively wants us to know, the breadth of God's love for us. And wisdom is one of those pieces that can help us recover. She says, I've set the table. You are welcome. Come just as you are, just like Jesus did, just like the Gospel of John described Jesus. This is wisdom hundreds of years earlier saying, I've got the bread and the wine, the table is set, come. But can you leave behind some of that dour stuff? Can we be a little joyful? I'll walk with you through whatever it takes, but what I want you to know is I delighted in creation, and I delighted in you, and I want you to delight in you and find life abundant. We pray this today in the name of all of those wonderful images of God, Shekinah, Mary, Shaddai, Sophia, and those we haven't named because there's just not time. Amen.